Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, psychologist, relationship coach, attachment theory expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, author of Love Magnet and Athletic Wear Connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract to healthy relationship. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. Buckle up and let's get vulnerable. The Empowered Secure Love program is open for application. We have limited spots. Make sure if you've been on the fence, this is the time to apply to the program. Inside of the program, you will rewire your brain for healthy love You will learn how to become the version of you who is securely attached. Obviously, you'll also learn skills, assertive communication, boundary setting, relationship pacing, how to navigate conflict in a healthy way. This program is designed to give you everything you wish you had about how to be in a healthy, loving relationship that lasts. Myself as a clinical psychologist and additionally my team of clinical coaches, we show up for you with high levels of support and make sure that you get exactly what you need. This program is unlike anything else that's available, founded in attachment theory and neuroscience. I don't know what you're waiting for. If this is the year, you know, okay, I want to attract the relationship I've always wanted then apply to the Empowered Secure Love program today. The link is in the show notes or my Instagram bio. Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Morgan. Today's episode is going to be juicy. It's good. We are answering your questions. Anytime I want to make sure that I'm giving you guys the topics that you want, I'll go to my Instagram stories, which is at Dr. Morgan Coaching on Instagram. If we're not friends on there, what are you doing? Go over to Instagram. And what I do is I'll post a story and say, hey guys, I'm recording an episode. Give me your questions. And I actually look at your answers and I record based on your answers. Okay. So this is one of those episodes where I've got your specific questions. I'm going to answer them. And this is just a reminder, if you ever see a story like that on my Instagram, hey, put your question in. It'll get answered, I promise. So I'm excited about these questions. They're good. And I think you guys are going to love this episode. And we've got at least six juicy questions. So let's kick it off. All right, we ready? Question number one is this. Is it okay to date one person at a time? Or should we be dating multiple people? I love this question. This is such a personal decision. So yes, it is okay to date one person at a time. Here's what I know. If you have an anxious attachment style where you are really likely in early stages of dating to put all of your emotional investment eggs into one relationship basket, Okay, so you're likely to just overinvest quickly. It may actually be beneficial 
for you to date multiple people in early stages of dating. And this is because your brain is realizing, oh, abundance mindset. There's a lot of partners available to me. Oh, I need to take my power back and say, do I like this person? Do I like that person? How do I feel when I'm in the presence of this person? How do I feel when I'm in the presence of that person? So it puts your brain into the love scientist mode that I talked to you all about. And it may help you slow down your investment and make better relationship decisions. So that's why, especially my folks with anxious attachment tendencies, you may benefit from dating multiple people at once. The caveat here is we're talking about early stages of dating and when it has been said that you're not exclusive or you've never had a conversation about being exclusive. Obviously, as you get to know someone and you're spending more time, the relationship is becoming more intimate, closer, then there's that conversation of, hey, let's not see anyone else. In my opinion, you are not exclusive until you've had a conversation about exclusivity. So ideally, you would bring that up, whether it's you or the person you're dating, you would bring that conversation up as soon as you realize, oh, I only want to be getting to know this person. I realize that this is the relationship that I want to invest my time into. Once again, you guys have heard me talk about being an intentional investor. We want to get a a good ROI, return on investment of our energy. So as a good investor, once I've realized, hey, I get a good return on my investment with this person. This is the kind of relationship I want. This is how I want to feel. We're building a securely attached connection. Once I have that data, I would absolutely want to bring up, hey, I want to be exclusive with you, right? Okay, well, I know I I over-answered that question. We went into some other topics, but I hope that was helpful. The next question, we're going to kind of rapid fire here, is how to avoid falling into toxic positivity as we are becoming our best selves. Toxic positivity is rampant. It is rampant on social media, all over the internet, even in some of our friend groups. So I love this question. It's super valid. How how do we avoid falling into it? Here's the thing I want to make clear. When we talk about aligning with our highest and best selves, when we talk about working on our mindset, stepping into that version of ourselves that, yes, believes the best about ourselves and about our future, we need to also acknowledge that simultaneously we are processing all of our emotions. We're allowing for sadness, stress, anxiety, worry. Those things do get to come up. We do not ignore them. I think toxic positivity becomes toxic when anything that isn't positive gets canceled, gets um, ignored, gets pushed down, right? 
what I love about the work I do inside of the Empowered Secure Love Program is it's not just the, oh, we're going to focus on the life that we want and we're just going to do all these positive affirmations and scripting. We're just going to script out the life that we want, right? Like that's a lot of the toxic positivity of like, oh, your, your life is determined by your thoughts, so only have good thoughts. Ugh, gross. No, that does not respect our experience as humans. Inside of the program, we also go into the hard stuff. We, I help clients deal with past trauma. We do something called the relationship inventory where we are looking at all your past relationships and we look at your unhelpful beliefs and your old ways of being and your attachment style we cannot step into our highest and best selves unless we're willing to explore the trauma, the pain, the dark side, if you will, right? None of us are entirely positive. That's not how the human experience works. And I always teach my clients, hey, no matter what level of healing you get to, there's going to be moments or even days where you feel off or there's a negative emotion. And our best thing we can do is learn how to show up with compassion, acceptance, and how to realign with our securely attached and best selves. So we never want to ignore it. So I think that's my, that's my answer of you always make space for all of your emotions. If you're in toxic positivity you essentially are cutting off from parts of yourself and you're not connected to the entirety of the human experience and you'll start to feel fake and off and weird. So in order to not be that way, make sure you're being open and honest with yourself and connecting to the entirety of your experience. And what this looks like in friendships to me is I think about holding space for all of the things that we go through in life and also holding each other accountable to moving through it and moving towards that version of ourselves that we know is our highest and best self when we feel good and we show up and we feel positive and we have a great mindset and we feel loved and adored and unstoppable, right? In good friendship, yes, we hold space for those moments where we're really struggling and we also pick each other up and help each other realign with our highest and best self. So there's such a balance of both, right? Great question. I love it. I could do a whole podcast on that, so maybe I will at some point. Uh, But the next question here is, after a breakup, how do we work on not wanting to text or call our exes on weekend nights. This is such a good question. Thank you. And I know a lot of you listening can relate to this of, Hey, I'm good Monday through, through Thursday. I am good. I am booked and busy. I'm focused on my work. And then the weekend comes around and you might have that temptation to reach out to an ex. And here's what I want to first acknowledge. There's nothing wrong with that. Yes, don't text your ex and 
Let's not shame ourselves. Let's not judge ourselves. There's nothing wrong with that desire coming up. Remember, your brain is wired for connection. And likely that's coming up because you might be feeling hopeless about meeting someone in the future. So then your brain is going to the past and you're wanting to reach out to your ex. And hey, girl, it's okay. It is okay. We can have compassion. We can know that, wow, that's just my brain trying to connect, trying to try. What's the need that this is where I'd have you start with? Okay. I have compassion. I'm not judging the urge. And then I would say, I get curious and I say, what is the need? What need is trying to be met here by my desire to reach out? Am I feeling lonely? Am I feeling sad? Am I feeling bored? What, what sort of need is, is getting met or I think that I'm trying to meet it by reaching out to my ex? And you'll probably find you want human connection. You want to experience feeling loved, right? And what I would do after that, after I've been curious, I would say, wow, okay, how can I meet this need for myself? And also, what does it look like to meet the need in a healthy way? So is there something I could do besides reaching out to my ex that would help me meet that need in a healthy way? Maybe it's, hey, Friday nights, I'm going to a yoga class. Saturday, I'm going to a speed dating event. Sunday, I'm spending time with my family. Notice how I'm being intentional of, oh, if the need was for connection, I'm going to intentionally fill that need in healthy ways. And then I will say this, if you text your ex, so what? So what? I think obviously we want to try to do our best. If that's a boundary that we've set with ourselves and we've made that commitment, we want to try to do our best not to. And no judgment, only compassion and love, only understanding what will likely happen because this is so fascinating to me how our brain works. Okay. So likely if you do slip up and you're texting your ex, it's going to happen late at night because the brain's um, ability to have self-control is completely worn out by the end of the day. So late at night, you're probably going to text your ex and then you'll wake up the next day and you'll say, oh my goodness, I really wish I had not have done that. That's not in alignment with who I want to be. And then you'll judge and shame yourself and then you'll probably do it again. So what I would want you to do instead, obviously, is have compassion when you wake up that next morning and you just say, wow, okay, that was something I did to try to meet a need and I'm going to choose differently next time. What does it look like for me to choose differently next time and do something that supports me and something that takes me closer to where I want to be? Okay. Great question. I know a lot of y'all needed that one. So thank you for asking that. And I'm going to move on to the next one. The next question is how many dates or weeks of dating before you have the define the relationship talk. This one's pretty easy to answer. Basically, you have to make a decision for yourself and for the relationship and think about what feels good. 
I kind of touched on this earlier. When, when you are noticing that you're wanting to spend your time with that person and you're wanting to be exclusive with that person, that's a great time to start a conversation about define the relationship. I will say this, so many of us, and this was me in the past, you put a ton of pressure on this conversation. You think it's this one big conversation that has to happen. You got to prepare yourself and script it. And you put so much pressure on it when in reality, this is a fluid conversation. This is an ongoing discussion, a check-in. This is going to happen over time if you're doing it well. So don't put so much pressure on yourself. You might be opening up the door to have the conversation or just starting it about, hey, what are we doing here? What do we want? How's it feeling for both of us? But it doesn't have to be this one big, scary conversation. So if you're feeling the need to define the relationship by all means, get curious, share what's on your heart, be open and honest and talk about it. And obviously, For those of you with insecure attachment styles, my anxious and avoidantly attached and disorganized folks, this conversation is is triggering to you because of how you've felt in relationships and your ways of being in relationships. And you've probably had it really backfire. So I I think my caveat here is, okay, you want to be able to move to secure attachment to have this conversation be just as I described it as something that's easy. It's ongoing. It's not a big deal, right? When we're showing up in secure attachment, that's how it is. So for those of you that are like Dr. Morgan, but that's not how it is for me. I could tell you it's because of your attachment style and what you want to do is learn how to move towards your securely attached self. And if you need help with that, you know where I am. Okay. We have the empowered, secure, loved program open for application and we'd, we'd love to help you. So if you're like, I can't have that conversation, I don't know how to, then we've got you covered. You just need to work on becoming your securely attached self. Okay. Great question. And and I will say this, just as a general rule of thumb, I don't think this needs to be said necessarily, but I don't think the DTR is going to happen on the first date, probably not even on the second date, depending on the speed at which you are developing a connection, which hopefully should be pretty slow. You may crack the door open to that conversation on the third date, Um, but anything before the third date doesn't make sense to me because how do you know that you would even want a relationship with someone you haven't gathered enough data? So that's just like a basic rule of thumb, but, but obviously there's so much more to this piece that it just gets easier when you're able to show up securely attached. Great question. I'm loving these questions. I'll move on to the next one. And this is shout out to a past client of mine who I adore. And this is a good question. So the question is, what's up with ethically non-monogamous? Curious to know your thoughts on why this is common on the apps. So ethically non-monogamous, 
may or may not identify as polyamorous. And this is people who are open for connections outside of their primary partnership. And for some folks, that is what they're looking for. And they've developed those standards in their relationships. And and that's how they've chosen to show up. And it works for them. For some people, it works. And obviously for others, it doesn't, right? I think I've shared this on the podcast. If not, hello, very vulnerable moment I'm about to share with y'all. I swear I have shared this though. Uh, I have tried being ethically non-monogamous and I could tell you from experience, it is not for me. It is not for me because I've tried it, okay? And there's some of you where you've never tried it and you just know it's not for you. And there's some of you who might be curious about it. And I would say if you're curious, you can try it. Um, But if you're on the apps and you're seeing that and you're frustrated by it, I would just say this, just come back to this mindset of, okay, that's them. That's what they're into. And I know that that's not for me. If I see someone who's showing up that way on an app and I know that I am a monogamous person, and that's how I am in my heart, in my relationships. I need to be monogamous. And I see someone who is not, then I'm not going to engage with that profile because I know that I have that clarity and that's my standard. And I just know that it's not going to be emotionally healthy for me. So I'm not even going to engage in the conversation, right? If I know, hey, I am open to that type of relationship paradigm, then I may have a conversation. I think people get into trouble where they see ethically non-monogamous and they themselves know that they're monogamous, but they're like, oh, that person's so attractive. They seem so cool. I want to try to engage with them. And guess what? This is where some of the repetition compulsion can come in because maybe you have that going on and you have this belief of, wow, this person's so unavailable, but I could make them monogamous. I could make them choose me. For my for my people who have disorganized or anxious attachment, you might see someone who's not monogamous as a challenge, right? As a way to get your childhood unfinished business resolved. If I could just get this unavailable person to choose me fully, then I'll know that I'm loved. And of course, that's not conscious. That could be going on in your unconscious. And that might explain why you would want to engage with that person in a conversation. But I'm saying this, if you're secure and you're clear on your standards and you know that's not going to work for me, then don't engage in the conversation. Wish them the best, swipe left, whatever, move on. Okay. All right. The next question is a really good one, and it's talking about mental health in relationships. Let me pull this up for you guys. Okay, here it is. Dr. Morgan, I was thinking about how I would love to see a podcast from you addressing when there are mental health issues in a relationship. For example, one partner has depression. And this, this affects their attachment style. For example, when they may usually be secure, 
But then when they're going through a depressive episode, they become more avoidant. How do we deal with this in a secure way? Do we walk away when our partner is not meeting our needs for closeness, even if they are struggling with their mental health? I would love to hear your thoughts. Great, great question. And I know a lot of you listening have probably had this question. So let's dive into it. Mental health obviously is something that all of us experience and we experience it in different ways. And as you're building a relationship with someone, yes, it's important to be vulnerable and open up with each other about your mental health experiences. I think in that example, it's really uh, important to note that the partner is willing to share, hey, I'm struggling with depression and there's enough awareness to realize, oh, that's impacting how they're showing up in the relationship. So it's causing them to show up more avoidantly attached. There's so much awareness and goodness just in, in that, that you're able to acknowledge that that's happening because a lot of couples don't have that awareness. They haven't been vulnerable with each other or they don't even know that they're struggling with their mental health. So there's a lack of awareness. And then guess what? If my partner normally is secure and then they become avoidant and I don't know why, guess what? I'm going to take that personally. I'm going to make it mean something about me. So there's a lot of good in what you shared about there's awareness. Okay. Now, the second part of this is we all have standards and ways of being that are how we want to feel and how we want to be in a relationship. And we want to be able to feel loved and create the kind of partnership that feels good to us. And only you know what your individual standards are and what they look like. And what I think is important is there has to be room in a secure relationship to go through periods where the relationship isn't living up to the standards. I'm going to say that again. You have to be able to be securely attached enough and have built a partnership where there's room for the relationship not to live up to the standards at times. And the important thing is, is that feedback can be given and change will happen. So I need to be able to say, this is how I feel when this happens. This is how your way of being impacts me. This is how your depression impacts me. I feel unwanted. I feel distant. I feel down when you are unavailable to me, right? So we have to be able to share And then in the secure relationship, you are a team working against, right? Your opponent is the depression, not your partner. It's the thing that's getting in the way of secure attachment. And you're working together and saying, what does this look like to have it grow or change in a way where our relationship feels good again? So... What I, what I love about this is if we give that feedback and then our partner grows with us, great. That's secure attachment. We're growing. We're working through things. It makes us stronger as a couple. 
And then if I give the feedback and nothing is changing, I have a decision. I get to say, hey, do I lower my standards? Is this something where I have room to lower my standards? Or is this so important to me? This is a non-negotiable for me. I know how I want to feel. I know what I want. And I love this person. And at the same time, this is not going to work for me, right? So notice how this is not an easy black and white answer. There's kind of a decision tree here, sort of a choose your own adventure. And you have to be willing to show up and be honest and also take ownership for your part in it. Is there anything that you can do, right? And at the end of the day, if you're realizing that, wow, this relationship is not able to get to a place that feels good to me. It's not able to be consistently, securely attached. It's not what I want. We get to lovingly let someone go, right? So so there's a lot there. And I think honestly, once again, with secure attachment, it's that willingness to say, I know it's not always going to be at a 10, The relationship's not always going to be perfect. It's not always going to be at a 10. And I also know that when I give my partner feedback and I'm honest about my truth, we work on it to get it back there. And that's the important thing is, are we working on it? Are we a team? Are we seeing healing and growth and change even when things are tough? Okay, what an amazing list of questions, y'all. I appreciate you. I appreciate this community so much. I hope you're loving the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast so far. I'm just so excited about 2024 and all of the incredible content I have coming your way. I've got some great episodes planned, so stay tuned. And obviously, if you know, hey, this is this is the time I am done putting it off. I am done doing the same thing over and over again dating the same kinds of people, having the same kinds of breakup experiences. I'm getting older. I know that I want partnership. Maybe it's that I know I want to have a family. And if if you know, okay, I need to take ownership. I need to do the work. Then I want to encourage you to apply to the Empowered Secure Loved program. We are changing lives and we've helped over 500 women at this point uh, become securely attached and step into the identity and way of being that just makes relationships easy and allows them to attract a securely attached partner. Okay, so if that's you and you know it's time Go apply to the program. The link is in the show notes. It's also in my Instagram bio at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And I would love to coach you inside of the program. All right, y'all. I'm sending you so much love. And of course, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram or Facebook. Make sure you tag me. It would mean the world to me if you took just a moment to leave me a written review on Apple Podcasts. This podcast is not free to produce. And the more that you help this show grow, the more people will be able to help. 
Until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.